0: This is Canine Hooper's World, a whole new world of fun, everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 36 of Canine Hooper's World podcast. Today, this lady has been a long-term training friend and an inspiration. I would like to welcome you to Miss Kim K. How are you? hello i'm very well thank you you i am good and we are both very much magical sparkly (laughs) wizardry dog trainers absolutely there's likely to be a lot of potter references and if that annoys people tough (laughs) Uh, so kim for people that don't know you and haven't met you um who are you what do you do
1: Alrighty, so uh we met quite a few years ago, I think on a course actually, didn't Got it we? Like a decade, babe. Yes, yeah, a while ago. <laughs> um, long so long. <laughs> I'm best known for uh, being the owner of Nosy Barker Dog Training. Um, we have a team, we're based over in Harlow in Essex, we do face-to-face training, but we also do online training. Um, so although we were doing online training before the pandemic hit, which was incredibly lucky for us, mm-hmm. so, uh, we, we already had gone to Crofts and released, um, a lot of our online stuff and we have a membership. So, um, that's what we're best known for delivering training. And I'm also a behaviorist.
0: So with the, because we were kind of both very lucky that, The online stuff was sort of in 2019 before the choir happened. Um, I think there was a definite scramble for trying to get good content online. And I think a lot of trainers, well, a lot of companies, businesses in general just really struggled because all of a sudden our normal way of meeting and doing everything completely changed. And I think we were lucky to be ahead of the curve in ways, but also. I think there were, for me, definitely, I was like, oh no, does that mean everyone's going to be online now and it's going to affect the business? And it really hasn't for me. Have you found the same thing?
1: I think it's a mixture. I think um, on the positive side, what it did was um, it opened generally pet people's minds to online learning so there was mm-hmm. a certain amount of resistance whenever yeah. you're um kind of starting a new thing an online dog training lots of people were scratching their head thinking uh well how do I train my dog online yeah. There was still this no I must attend puppy class and yeah. there was a certain amount of resistance and we've been delivering online like an online membership for four years yeah and so there's definitely resistance we went to crafts and of course, within two weeks of being back from crafts, we went into lockdown. Yeah. And although we got lots of interest when we was at crafts, um, there was still resistance for sure. Mm-hmm. The the thing about the pandemic was that people that were serious about helping their dog and getting their dog or their puppy off on the right um, paw mm-hmm. was absolutely they had to go online yeah um, and so from that point of view there were thousands and thousands of people that wanted to do that and it opened up their minds to learn in, in that in that way and that definitely benefited um, us for sure yeah um, the fact that we already had such a lot of content we already had an entire online puppy school mm-hmm. um, so you know we were good to go so again from that point of view the pandemic didn't um didn't affect yeah. us um but, you know, I guess from, um, from a competitive point of view, yes, there's now obviously lots of fantastic on, online trainers. Yeah. Um, so yes, there is some competition. But then, you know, there's lots and lots of dogs. There's even more dogs that are out there. Exactly and it's really that. important that yeah. Yeah, and it's really important that people work with the right trainer and the yeah. right behaviourist. Yeah. You know, that for me is much more important. Anyone that we work with. I always want to make sure that I can help them, because Mm -hmm. if I can't, I can probably refer you on to somebody you're going to be better suited with, so. Exactly um, that, because not
0: every trainer and student are gonna gonna match, you know, we know that even from back in the school days, there were teachers that you really got on with and you could listen to, and teachers that you would just dread going to class, regardless of the subject, just because of personality clashes or stuff, and I think as you say, it's kind of opened up people's minds to online learning. Um, but also it, I think the benefit of it is, is that it's meant we can learn from trainers that we normally wouldn't have any access to at all. You know, like I think conference wise, when the Lemonade conference came out, like that was amazing because it was in, I think it was meant to be in Boston originally or something. it was definitely in the States there was no chance any of us would have got to go to it. And all of a sudden, all us little British trainers are sitting there with our cups of tea and our little ginger biscuits. And we're like watching a conference live from the US. Like it was crazy. So I think in ways, yes, it's been rubbish and it's been really hard on all of us. But I think we have to kind of focus on the on the good stuff that it's opened people's minds. And it's also opened up kind of more possibilities of reaching more owners and more trainers and just getting the good word out. I
1: think one of the big things that I'm really passionate about as well is that There are lots of dogs that actually attending puppy school in particular, but group classes, it isn't the right thing for them. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time to educate people and for people to learn their, their puppy's body language. And by the time they realize, Oh, my dog isn't learning anything. They're four to six weeks into their puppy school. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually it might be that that puppy's quite nervous and needed a bit more time. Don't delay their training. But actually working with a trainer or a behaviourist online means that you're going to get to your goals far quicker than keep putting them in a position that they're not coping with. And so I think, you know, for pet families, particularly first time, I think the online has been brilliant. And whilst there are some pups that have missed out on socialisation, for sure, I think there are a whole host of puppies that have actually done better because they've done online rather than go to an environment where perhaps they're practicing barking or uh, you know severe frustration because all they really want to do is go and play with the other puppies
0: yeah so. exactly and like well you know with with dodge like he he's a dog with big emotions um i was very lucky that i had a cool little puppy class near me uh, my friend heidi was teaching it and she was like yeah just bring him along it's cool dodge being in puppy class was just him being around other dogs and being calm like I didn't have that was the criteria of him because that's all he could cope with but that's because as a trainer I understand that's what he needed being in that environment whereas doing online stuff meant that we could do trick awards and we could do class and stuff in an environment that he could learn in because I think it's important for people to understand that not all dogs are suited to being in the world straight away and you know I think majority of dogs are dog selective I think the really true dog friendly dogs are like unicorns there really aren't that many of them most dogs are dog selective for whatever reason um and I think that as you say the online stuff really has kind of helped people understand that more but then I think the flip side of it is there were the people that really didn't want to learn online and maybe didn't do the stuff because it wasn't available which yeah I think it's a bit rubbish
1: (laughs) yeah I think it's hard isn't it because some people genuinely um struggle with online they're you know technically challenged I can understand that Um, I am I am technically it happens doesn't it um and then you know for whatever reason but Obviously, the world is opening up now. And so Mm -hmm. people can can, you know, attend face to face, but they can also do the online. I mean, personally, I think the people that have done the best um, and we literally have trained thousands in in these last two years across the pandemic, it's been crazy, as as Mm -hmm. most dog trainers and behaviourists have been. But the people that have done the best are the people that have actually done both. So as the world opened up, they came and did some face to face. But they've also had that support of doing online um, so that they can practice things at home. um, Also, because, again, you know, talking from personal experience, if I'm in a class situation, I'm worried about how my dog's behaving. Are they being a pain in the butt? Am I embarrassed? And then if I've got to go home and practice that. Yeah, I don't remember what's been said. So whereas yeah. if I've then got the tutorial online, I can then go back over that mm-hmm. and do that in my own time in an environment where my dog can actually listen.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, yeah. percent. So Digg-
1: so diggory, as you know, my my lovely toy poodle, which is actually he's quite large for a toy poodle. Um, we but got he's him. delicious. He is delicious. delicious. My sunshine boy. <laughs> um, we literally picked him up a day after coming back from crafts and then what was it a week 10 days and we went into lockdown yeah you know he really is a lockdown puppy and he Mm -hmm. was petrified of dogs and people and everything Mm -hmm. um I, I the nice thing for for me was I was able to document and video it so I did a webinar last week called circle of friends and I actually showed in those videos Even when I took him to the garden centre, okay, we'll avoid dogs for now. Let's go to the garden centre. And there's this little beagle porcelain um, statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's absolutely freaked out, you know, freaked out even by the little statue. And of course, we, um, we documented all of this. Whereas now, actually having that time, being able to slowly work with him, build his confidence, you wouldn't recognise him. He comes to class every week. He's a stooge dog. He he likes other dogs. He likes people. He's amazing. So for him, the pandemic actually worked in his favour because we wasn't forcing him to go into situations that he couldn't cope with. We just took it in our stride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I
0: think because obviously Dodge being that little bit older, so we were just hitting adolescence when the world closed down, which that was really tough because the stage where I really needed him in kind of controlled like group class environments and being around dogs and people in as controlled situations I could to make it as positive as I could, all of a sudden that whole option was just, not available at all and you couldn't just I think as much as people were social distancing you couldn't just go to the park when it was quiet because the park was never quiet ever Mm -hmm. wherever you went like all the kind of you know little dog walks that I know that are like little secret dog walks (laughs) no longer (laughs) secret they were full of peoples and like it was it was kind of from that side of it it was actually made it more difficult and I guess the advantage of having a shepherd is generally people don't want to come and coo over them but when you have super cute poodle everybody <laughs> wants to come and love them because they're cute at least dodge kind of people come near him and he shouts and they go oh, and then back off yeah but people preempt that a shepherd is potentially going to be barky because you know police dogs whereas poodles everyone just sees a little cute curly thing and wants to love them
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) he's very cute for sure
0: so how did you kind of cope with him as a puppy when the world sort of did close down because I think a lot of people were in the situation I think a lot of people that weren't necessarily going to have dogs because of work commitments all of a sudden was working from home and as we know the the number of dogs in this country absolutely exploded because all of a sudden everybody wanted a puppy.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mental. Who wants a puppy?
1: They're really bloody hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean for us with um with Diggory, it kind of suited me really. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're lucky. It wasn't that long. I mean, there was a a short period of time. I Can't remember now. If it feels like such a long time ago. But obviously, yeah. there was that short period of time where we couldn't really go anywhere and everything was limited. But it wasn't very long before you could uh, go for a walk with one other. Um, and we have private training ground um, where we are, and so I was able to cherry pick who which dogs which is really important so a lot of the work that I do what I'm passionate about is uh, preventative work mm-hmm. that's what I'm absolutely passionate about um and and I couldn't you know it's just one of those kind of uncanny things that so I ended up with a dog that needed me to now do that work that I'm known for with my own dog but um, that's and so, brilliant
0: because you can literally put your money where your mouth is yeah. and say I've lived it I've experienced it and now you can fully empathize with your owners because you have walked not in their shoes but you've walked along a similar path to them
1: yeah yeah absolutely um so everything that we do is um is always we don't concentrate on the problem behavior Mm -hmm. we look at is the dog at homeostasis you know Mm -hmm. there are other things that need to be in place because if your dog is petrified you can't keep putting them in a position where they're petrified um, so you have to look at okay, are all of my dog's needs being met? So things like sleep, which lots of people overlook, how important yes. sleep is, yes. how that impacts them. You've also got health and diet, and most people go, yeah, yeah, no, my my dog's fine. Well, actually, what we found during the pandemic was there was a huge amount of puppies that actually were going into their new homes with um, Jardia. and mm-hmm. so um, or loose stools, and again, people didn't necessarily understand that that's going to have an impact on how your dog feels day to day and of course it is. situations and then yeah. we've got the whole gut health thing going on which won't even go down that rabbit warren right now <laughs> that's a whole rabbit hole yeah exactly <laughs> then you've got the environment so you know what's happening internally externally within the home um there's so many things to consider that have to be addressed first Because if those things aren't addressed first, your dog can't think and reason. Your dog can't take on new information. We can't build their confidence. We can't help them to learn a new emotional response if they're not at homeostasis. So that's what what we do um, first. And what runs alongside that is trust. If I keep putting my dog in a position where they're having to show me their their displeasure or they're unhappy or they're worried, that's not going to help my relationship. What Mm -hmm. dogs have to learn is that you've got their back and that they don't need to escalate. Most people know the ladder of aggression. Well, I never gave Diggory the um, opportunity to learn the higher up Mm behaviours because I didn't put him in a position where he ever needed to. Yep. I said to him, I have got your back. I absolutely can hear that you are unhappy. And you know what? As your mum, we're getting out of here. So I never put him in a position where he had to... Um, learn that you know air snapping or doing all these different things Mm -hmm. would you know give him the distance that he needed most dogs if they're unhappy they're always going to use strategies that increase distance Mm -hmm. so so that was our first port of call so everything was about trust that includes I never took anything away from him ever Mm -hmm. so we prevented things like resource guarding so his favorite treat is a pizzle but anyway a if
0: you are not familiar basically a penis
1: (laughs) a a bull's penis that stinks and yeah no it's not a thing i don't allow them
0: inside the house they're like garden treats only because
1: he loves them but because of this trust that we have and you may have seen um it's done its rounds the video on facebook but i could he can be in the middle of it it's all soggy it's stinking but i can say to him digs hand he will get up he will come over and he will put that pizzle in my hand. Mm -hmm. Now that's because I've never chased him. I've never fished anything out of his mouth. We we spent months working on a relationship. I've got your back. There's no need ever to not uh, trust me. And so all of that work then filtered onto introducing him to um, appropriate dogs. And of course, socialization is a whole other uh, rabbit warren, isn't it? You know, the number one thing I find is that uh, pet people are worried about having an unfriendly puppy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the number one thing, isn't it? You know, they, they want their puppy to be really friendly, be able to go everywhere and take them everywhere, mm-hmm. which is slightly unrealistic expectations.
0: Um, <laughs> Disney has a lot to answer for. That's all I'm saying. No, doesn't it just? I blame Disney a lot. I love Disney, but I also blame Disney. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so. What we talk about is what's more important is to have appropriate friends. Mm. But in order for you to collect, if you like, appropriate friends, you have to know your dog inside out. You need to yeah. understand their body language. Yep. You need to understand their play style. Mm-hmm. You need to put them with another dog that is so well-trained, because otherwise what is your puppy learning? Yep. And that's what we did. We built up Diggory's friendship circle using different sizes, different sex, Um, Mm -hmm. and built up and he's got about seven or eight really good solid friends yeah and it goes back to a point that you said earlier which is most dogs are selective as are we yeah I'm not mates with everyone (laughs) but you know my my job as Diggory's mum is to Mm -hmm. be able to help him live his best life really yeah 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 and so so a lot of it was about you know spending time getting to know him him learning that he comes to me. You're worried. You come to me. Yep. And um, what's lovely
0: with that as well, Kim, is that it it kind of makes makes me as a as a as a dog mum feel better that what I did with Dodge was on the right path because slightly different situation with us. Dodge came to me already teetering nearer the top of the ladder and was already doing the barking and the lunging and the shouting and the snapping and the drama. Um, and because it's a shepherd, like it's just fun doing that anyway. Yeah. I mean, poor poor Dale, bless him, spent the first month not being able to come in the room without having Shepherd shouting at him. Um, luckily, Dodge was still kind of little and cute at that stage. So I got away with it a bit, but his choice would always be at the start, lunge and shout, make it go away. Now it's come to mum. I'm not, If you're not sure, just come to me. And I've had it in competitions this year where... He's been on a run and someone's just come a little bit closer in, or he spied something and he's left the course and come to me in the middle. I'm never going to get cross at him for that because do you know what? That's the best choice because he could have charged the fence and lost his shears and been a complete drama llama and potentially caused an accident because at the end of the day, builders netting versus shepherd is not really a good yeah. thing to try. <laughs> but he's, he has the trust in me that mum I'm not sure I'm going to come to you you know also if I know we're going to be in a situation where say I was training the other week and someone came into the field they needed to sort out the toilet block I just popped him on his lead next to me so he couldn't practice that behavior there is obviously control and management in it but in terms of his friend group when he was younger, um, my friend had another had a shepherd. There's three weeks between them, but they're both boys. They were really cool mates until lockdown happened. And then post lockdown, there was a lot of testosterone going on. And now they're not really mates anymore, yeah. but that's okay. They're both walking around Billy Big Bollocks, like thinking they're clever. Absolutely. And we just control and manage it. Are they off lead together now? No, not at all. Can they train around each other? Yes, but we're mindful. Generally, one's in a van while the other one's out because it's sensible. But Dodge, when it comes to meeting bitches, is completely different. Oh, my God, he couldn't be more polite. Yeah. because he lives with three girls that have taught him that you have to be mindful of the girls and you can't be rude with the girls because they will tell you off. If a boy dog told him off, he'd be like, yeah, come on then. A girl dog curls his lip and he goes, oh, my God, I'm totally sorry which is really cool but do i let him off lead with every single bitch he meets no he has a select few that he goes off lead with and we meet up with and we play with but does he need to be around all those dogs all the time and i think this is a massive misconception that the park should just be a free-for-all for all all the dogs
1: yeah why
0: like why we don't go and join someone else's
1: picnic when we go to the park no exactly and, and i think there are enough studies done on free roaming dogs mm. um, and there's a lovely one that was done on uh, free roaming dogs in india and mm. actually it's like one percent of their time or uh, it's such a small amount of time yeah. like an hour in a 24-hour period that is spent interacting with humans or other dogs it's definitely a human construct that dogs really sociable and want to interact with, you know, every single dog that they meet actually left to their own devices. They don't, hmm. that's, that's not, not true. Yeah. A lot of dogs, particularly when they become adolescents, you know, the biologically they are um, being driven to go and range further and interact more because of hormones and things yeah. for sure. So it becomes trickier, but lots of dogs as well. unfortunately, their needs are not being met you know they're being Mm -hmm. left alone a lot during the day or they're being crated or being put in a pen or maybe people haven't got very big gardens or Mm -hmm. because they're worried about recall the dog Mm -hmm. never gets to experience off lead play so then what does happen is when they do go to a park particularly a busy period their dog acts uh completely bonkers because they've been deprived of the freedom the exercise um and being a dog so yep. one of the reasons why I think so many of the enclosed dog parks now that you can hire by the hour are perfect. And it's what I say to my clients, you know, you've got an adolescent dog. They're being a, a bit of a wally when they see other dogs. So that's stop the, the polite way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. dog's got called a lot stronger than a wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just stop going to the park, but you still have a responsibility to fulfill their needs. Yeah. So you know, go go hire an enclosed place and let them run. Let yeah. them go and do that. Because otherwise you end up in a conflict. And again, this is, you know, a big part of our, our work is that kind of uh, prevention. If your dog's pulling on lead or your dog's refusing to recall and you're getting frustrated, you're just in a conflict. Yeah. Any conflict in a relationship is going to um, have an impact, a negative impact. You know, if you're always, if you find yourself always nagging your dog, mm. no one likes a nag, <laughs> you know, who likes that? and yeah. so for us it's all about is your dog even able to think and learn because if they're not why are we training you've got no business training yeah you know you have to set your dog up to succeed they need to be at homeostasis. they need to have the best opportunity to learn but your relationship's got to be good if your dog doesn't listen to you at home why on earth are they going to listen to you if you're around a dog at the park yeah 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 you know, it's not going to happen so for me they're the fundamentals is your dog in the right place to think and learn um and possibly counter condition and how is your relationship because if you're in constant conflict with your dog you're not getting anywhere yeah it's not gonna happen yeah so so yeah so it's been um (laughs) No, but I
0: I think that raises a really good point because I think especially for people that were getting dogs for the first time, like I know I've just said, like, obviously I blame Disney, but people do have this whole kind of perception that the dog's going to come in and it's going to slot in perfectly and they don't need to adjust anything and it's all going to be great and lovely. And you kind of go, but is it? Because that's not what happens when you know like a baby comes home like the whole freaking world turns upside down so why do people expect anything different of bringing an animal into their house whether it's a puppy or a kitten and I would argue that bringing kittens into your house is even more stressful because those things can climb walls and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's a whole nother issue of people discovering the joys of, of teeny baby cats I used to um foster feral kittens many years ago so I tell you, if they can get in somewhere or on something, they will, like at least dogs tend to stay kind of waist height and below most (laughs) of the time, but I think the misconception of socialization is a massive one, and I love the fact that you're so passionate on prevention rather than cure, because that is the solution, isn't it? I mean, we've all kind of been taught that an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and we know that eating maca's every day is probably not going to help that. So with our dogs like we should be proactive in trying to set them up to live with us in harmony, you know, 23 hours of the day unless we're at competition. Dodge is kind of in the house doing not a lot, which is what I want him to do. Like now he's he's on the dog sofa fast asleep. Cool, awesome. But it took time to get him there. You know, that didn't just happen the day he came in. I mean, there was a lot of management up until six months ago he was still in a pen when I had to leave the house just for safety with having multiple dogs in a household um I mean you know what it's like bringing a new dog in because you did a degree because obviously you have your your gorgeous girls (laughs) lunches what did they think of all of a sudden this old poodle coming in yeah so um
1: Actually, we they- should
0: explain what dogs you have as well as
1: them <laughs> yeah yeah okay so um so we, we're known for having miniature schnauzers so we used to we used to be uh, registered breeders mm-hmm. bred for over 10 years uh but the longer that I bred you know that's actually how the whole thing started yeah um because um sometimes people would come back and ask questions and I found oh, I didn't actually know the answers and mm-hmm. so that's when I started to study and then uh years later later became a trainer and a behaviorist. Uh, but the more that I learned, <laughs> the more I thought, I don't want to be a breeder anymore. So, um, but that's how we've ended up with five miniature schnauzers. So, um, and actually what happened was that we stopped breeding about four years ago. And it's because actually most people that uh, contacted me, I was actually putting them off more than I was actually putting people on our waiting list. For me, um, I feel that miniature schnauzers are probably not the best breed for somebody who's never had a dog before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and again, this is a personal opinion. I think vocal dogs are um, in a lot of ways harder to cope with than a dog that is uh, aggressive. Because mm-hmm. once you know why a dog is aggressive, you can work on that. You can avoid certain situations. You can put control and management in place. When you've got a dog that is vocal, whether that's because uh they're fearful, they're excited, or because it's just innately rewarding, which for Schna- for Schnails as it is, they just <laughs> like the sound of their own bark. Yeah, that's really hard. And it causes a lot of problems, friction, conflict within families, um, and for neighbors and general, you know, society, mm-hmm. I think it's really difficult living with a vocal dog. So in <laughs> the end, I was like, actually, I don't think this is. I just don't feel that I'm putting good into the world, even though we had got to a stage of being able to breed a quieter schnauzer, which was what I set out to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, okay, can you do it? It's supposed, You're supposed to be able to significantly change um, temperaments or, mm. or physique within um, seven generations. And we did it in four. So I kind of decided, no, I don't need to do this anymore. I've proven a point um, to myself not to the world necessarily yeah uh,
0: but other people yeah. Happens,
1: whatever <laughs> yeah so we so we've got three um we've got a grandma which is Lady Morgana which is obviously Ryan's dog she's mm-hmm. pretty vocal um then we've got Dahlia um who's like my soul dog and then um her daughter Suki. so we've got three in one generation there and the other two we've got a mum and a daughter as well mm-hmm. So, really, really connected, quite strong characters. Yeah. Although miniature schnauzers are not terriers by the UK Kennel Club, by goodness, are they like mm-hmm. they are so terrier like? Yeah. Um, so, because of a lot of the online training, I did want a dog that wasn't black um, because they are harder to see on film. Yeah. Um, I think I started to get a bit broody, you know, do like a little puppy. <laughs> Um, And so I knew I wanted to bring in a different uh, breed. You know, five miniature Schnauzers for anyone is more than enough. (laughs) Um, And so (laughs) I wanted another breed, but I had to really think about what was the right breed. I knew that I wanted a boy. It had to be a boy. There was no way I could bring a girl in for five established, strong character girls. Uh So it had to be a boy. I didn't want to go for a big dog because, again, that wasn't going to really work with five miniature schnauzers. Mm-hmm. So I had to really think about what breed was going to complement them. Yep. Um, and my groomer has got this amazing uh, poodle, and she actually came to Crufts with us last mm-hmm. year. He's amazing. And I, I'd always said to her, if Ronnie ever sizes a litter let me know because yes. you've got half a chance of getting a really great temperament. Yeah, yeah And yeah. it just so happened that he did. Um, and Diggory, my Diggory was the last one left in the litter. And it was just, you know, a done deal really before we even got there. Ryan was a bit against it. He was like, we've got five dogs. Do you really think we need another one? I was like, well, we're just going to go and have a look. <laughs> um, what, like,
0: like we were just going to look after Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Trying to fool yourself. So, um, yeah, so I, I'll be honest. Yeah, I was really worried because, as I say, strong characters, mm-hmm. um, the eldest Belle, who's uh, now 14, um, you know, there, there's, there's lots of different dynamics within the group. Yeah. So, what we did was we were super cautious. So, Ryan's also um, a qualified trainer, Ryan's a faster trainer. Um, I'm super cautious. So it's quite interesting. We're at sort of opposite ends of um, how we uh, train. (laughs) But so he had a a crate and he had a pen and then he had another pen. It was double penned. Mm -hmm. It was um, ultra ultra safe. But we did all sorts of things like uh, swapping scent. You know, again, lots of trainers, behaviorists or people, they tend to think about um, the visual. But when you're talking about dogs, actually the best thing to do is to use scent because that's yeah. how they see the world. So everything was about, can we create um, like a, a pen pal friendship? Yeah. And so we were bringing scented stuff back. We had the stuff up, so it wasn't a big shock. It wasn't all of a sudden there's an annoying little brother and there's a crate in the room, you know. Yeah. So it was just gradual. Yeah, so yeah, crazy. yeah. Um, and and, and actually, it's
0: nice to kind of, because again, obviously we had the three girls and, you know, when, when Dodge kind of came up, it was a case of if he had been a bitch, I think I would have said no because especially the chihuahuas are so sassy Mm -hmm. that adding a large breed bitch into that would have just been asking for problems. I knew it would be. So adding a dog in, obviously at the time we had ties up, but I knew he was all right with puppies. He was pretty chill in general. Um, But adding dodging, it was more the size discrepancy of him. And obviously now, you know, he's top end 33 kilos and the lowest end in our house is five kilos. So that's a big difference just physically. But actually he is mindful of the girls and he is very careful. And, you know, sometimes I do have to sort of remind him that he is bigger than them, but he's very respectful. But likewise, the chihuahuas aren't backwards in coming forwards if he has come close to the mark with them but it's about setting them up for success isn't it and I think a lot of people especially when they're in the world they put not even necessarily their puppies but just dogs in general they put them into situations where they're just not comfortable I mean the other day um, I was walking with my friend we were in the park um, without dogs we we were doing some stupid fitness type thing (laughs) some sort of running jogging type ridiculousness But we watched these two um, curly-coated dogs, two little oodlies. And every dog they approached, the approach wasn't polite. It wasn't nice. And at one point, I actually, there was a bulldog on lead. And they'd basically gone into, like, a pincer manoeuvre. And the bulldog was not comfortable. And the guy was like, oh, come on, they just snapped at you. And I actually walked over and put myself between all the dogs, rightly or wrongly. Because actually, if that bulldog had a snap back, it could have ended badly. And then who's going to get the blame?
1: Yeah.
0: I would guarantee the bulldog owner because, you know, bull breeds. Yeah. But then we carried on our walk and the same two dogs, um, there was a dog just playing ball with his owner and it went from playing, chasing to, and you saw the moment where it went from playing to predatory. Yeah. And the owner was oblivious. And again, luckily the, the dog that was kind of on the being chased that was clearly not happy and it's tailor dropped and all the body language was screaming to me, I'm not comfortable. Luckily it decided to kind of run towards me and I sort of diffused the situation by giving that dog a scritch and giving that dog a scritch and sort of distracted everyone. And then I just walked off and my friend was like, how did you diffuse that? And I was like, because I just did. But there was no point in me saying anything to either owner because they're not in the place to learn from me right now. So I just yeah, went, absolutely. oh, look at the dogs being silly. Was that a bit scary? I said that out loud. So maybe one of the owners would have gone, oh, maybe that wasn't fun. And then we walked on our merry way and carried on life. Because I don't know about you, Kim, but the more I know about dogs, the more stressful I find being in that kind of uncontrolled, park, free-for-all mm-hmm. environment of just dogs having a lovely time and being friendly
1: yeah I think it's it's really difficult isn't it so we've now got the six dogs Mm -hmm. um uh, the the oldest one um she just chooses whether she wants to come out or not she's got all sorts of health conditions uh one of them you know I wouldn't take her to that environment because she she would be more than happy but I can't control others and if other dogs come running over she's not going to like it she's not going to go and do that she'd have a lovely time but my job is to protect her and if I end up getting into a situation where I'm saying to someone recall your dog get your dog away or going like that that doesn't help my girl my responsibility is to her this is really difficult I think for pet people to understand because they think well I have a right to be here if their dog was under control then I could frequent here and whilst I do totally understand that Mm -hmm the stress that you go through to try to control the other person's behavior, all of that transfers to your dog, which actually just makes your dog more nervous. Yes. I think there are lots of people that don't take responsibility and don't understand that your dog does need training for sure. Mm -hmm. I think equally like Diggory has got an amazing recall. Yep. But do you know what? 5% of that time recall recalls going to fail because he's not a robot. Yes. There are going to be times when he forgets himself. Now, if you're going to um, a park where there are many dogs there, there's always going to be one or two that are going to fail, even if they've got a high level of training. Yeah. So for me, my Bellatrix, who I wouldn't take somewhere like that, I'm mm-hmm. not going to take her there because you've got to contend with those people that haven't really considered training their dog mm-hmm. but then you've also got people that might have but that particular day their day their dog has failed
0: to recall yeah. for whatever reason the planet's aligned yeah. there was a crisp packet in a
1: hedge exactly. it smelled a funny smell exactly. yesterday and I just like well. connect to do you know what every morning I wake up with the best of intentions to eat healthy mm-hmm. and there are days when that nice little baby bell out of the fridge just pops itself into my mouth You yeah. know, I just think the expectations we have on dogs are so high Yes, they're not robots they they are gonna fail if we as you the human race were under a magnifying glass as much as we put our dog's behavior yeah you know you would see how many promises we break or how many yeah. times we say we're gonna you know, change something and it doesn't quite happen or it takes yeah. longer to do things. Yeah, so yeah. so for me, I look at all of my dogs individually and what are their individual needs? Not, not about anyone else's dog and what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. That's mm-hmm. not my responsibility. My responsibility is to to my dogs and what environment are they going to enjoy? Now I can take Diggory anywhere. Yeah. Which is amazing. I could take probably Sookie and Dahlia anywhere which is amazing but my other three dogs I nearly re- I really need to consider what's the right environment for them yeah not having a go at everybody else yeah in an ideal world people that don't train their dogs and people that do and and as a human race we would all be more tolerant of each other yeah but that isn't you know not everybody sees the world in rainbows and <laughs> sparkles as like well we do <laughs> exactly and therefore, if there's a chance of a conflict, if you know your dog doesn't like another dog running over to you, yep. you can't control the other dogs, you can't yep. control the other people. Hire a field. Yeah, I mean, I joke all the time that
0: Dodge doesn't go out in public. But there's a reason Dodge doesn't go out in public because it's it's not suitable. I mean, I'm I'm lucky in that there is a there is a small field near us that's very open. And if I time it right, we'll get to the field and it'll be empty or empty enough that I can give him the space he needs. And that's cool. And to be fair, most people do tend to call their dog back when if they see me call him back, they do tend to attempt more so than they do if I'm with the chihuahuas. The chihuahuas people don't seem to mind. It's actually the chihuahuas that are going to chase your dog more (laughs) than my shepherd will. I You know, again, I wouldn't take the girls to a super busy, busy park because they won't tolerate other dogs running up to them. But then I can take Dodge into a show environment where there are potentially a lot of dogs around. But I know that everyone's that little bit more savvy and is focused on what their dog is doing Mm. rather than text on their phone, drinking a coffee listening to me do you know what I mean because they're focused on their dog because they're in the environment of it's them and their dog together as a team
1: it's contextual isn't it and yes, he massively. Knows, he knows yeah. in that environment this is what I do because yes. it, it's predicted so um, yeah I think it you know for me it's always about the dog in front of you and are yes. you doing the best by that dog I personally don't believe that anybody brings a dog into their life, whether they've, that's a puppy or whether they've adopted or an older dog. Mm-hmm. I believe that everyone does that with the best of interest. I yeah. think that everyone does that with the most amount of love because they want a better life. They want a companion and yeah. they want to give that dog a love, a lovely life too. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, what does happen is dogs and puppies can be harder work than expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, Frustration and conflict comes in. Yep. So, as I say, mine is all about prevention and relationship, and it's about just reminding people why you've got a dog in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: no, 100%. But also, as you say, knowing your dog, like, you know, Munch is very, I would say Munch falls into the category of dog tolerant. She will pretty much, you know, if a dog runs over to her, unless they're really rude, she'll go, all right, cool. And then she'll really politely tell them that she's not interested and carry on her sniffing, whatever. But during fireworks season, yeah, because she is so, so stressed out and she is so noise-phobic, I don't walk her at the park. She doesn't even go out some days, like nights where it's been really bad. The next day, I just don't even take her into the world because all of her chemical levels in her brain need to get back to normal. You know, all her cortisol levels need to come down. She needs to get rid of all the adrenaline because I know that a dog that she would normally completely ignore could potentially turn into a discussion just because she doesn't have the spoons left. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think again, it's, it's about stopping that conflict. And I, I just love the kind of the, it's, it's holistic but it also makes sense because like surely it's better to prevent saying that you know you put petrol in your car Well, at the moment it's a bit hard while we're recording there's some whole like petrol thing going on hopefully that will have completely finished by the time this podcast comes out but you get your car serviced you know you charge your phone at night so that it can function but people don't always think about those basic needs of the dog like you said sleep food just generally kind of hanging out with you and you having a relationship
1: yeah I think it's hard um if you go back to you know maybe even before I was young let's go with that (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, people, before I was young yeah. well when you were just a twinkle
1: yeah so even before <laughs> my time and let's be generous you know people just opened their back door their dog went off for the day and the dog came home for dinner yeah. um, and then even, even when I was young you know dogs had a lot more freedom a lot of dogs were uh, in the gardens and would live outside but they had a lot more freedom their kind of life now is is, is quite different yeah but I
0: think the flip side that also is dogs that did show signs of aggression certainly weren't bred from and quite often they went to the proverbial farm quite often um Mm. because but also I can remember like as a kid if I went near one of the dogs and got growled at I was told off for upsetting the dog yeah that's not the mentality now
1: which is really rubbish Yeah, it is. It is really difficult. I think I think a lot of it is to do with um, expectations and um, it's tough. You know, I used to work in social care. So, um, you know, I see the patterns. It's a lot more complicated. And generally, the way that you were parented, the way that you were brought up, your core values, your belief system Uh influence how you bring up a dog, how you develop. Your relationship and your expectations yeah. and um i was certainly brought up with um this idea that children should be seen and not heard mm-hmm. uh, because of education because of you know <laughs> doing the work <laughs> uh, digger is just looking at me now hello digs um,
0: super super cute oh, good mom. boy You're about to give
1: mummy a snog from the looks of it yeah very him. much um because of all of the work and the education that i went through You know, I didn't parent my children in that way at all. And so I'm a very different dog mum to how my mum was. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's because that piece of work happened, whereas lots of people of my generation were still brought up in that same way in terms of, you know, children should be seen and not heard. You automatically respect your parents. What happens is if they're of that belief, they then have those same expectations of their dog but what we know is that science changes and we know learning theory we know how using aversive methods um, and the relationship impacts a dog's ability to learn whether they can live their best life yeah um all of these things we know that now because we know better we know better we do better you know that kind of yes but sometimes when i work with clients i i know I know their value system because of the way they interact with their dog. And I know how they were parented and I know how they parent their human children. Yeah. But when you're, when you're working with a family like that, it's tricky because you are dealing with their values and their belief system. Yeah, of course. And a bit like what you were saying earlier one of the things that um when i was in social care that we would do is you know we would use the wheel of change so particularly for people that are um, using substances or are in abusive relationships mm-hmm. and you've got this wheel and if somebody is pre-contemplation they're not ready to hear you they're not yeah. ready to learn new stuff yeah but- have to be careful because you otherwise you end up in a conflict with these people yeah you can say something but they're not ready to hear it no the dog should just do what it's told end of yeah so a trainer like you or I are not going to be particularly helpful for those because yeah. people are pre-contemplation they're not re- re- really ready to accept that dogs have as much right to live on this planet as we do hmm You know, if you think about it, it's not that many months ago that the Queen announced that dogs, animals have feelings, are sentient beings. Yeah. Up until a few months ago, that wasn't even recognised. So I think the general public can be forgiven for still having quite a dated outlook on, on this. But there's a huge amount of work to be done huge amount of work to be done and getting into conflict with people about um about their methods doesn't change their mind no of course it doesn't of course it
0: doesn't and I think as well you know like people the other thing society now likes things to happen instantly you know the latest iphones just come out and it's however much quicker and blah blah do i understand what that means no but all i know is that the camera's better and it looks pretty and i want one i don't understand all the functionality of it but i think it's scary when people put more research into the phone they're getting than the dog they're getting um obviously aesthetics do play into it and you know there are people out there that want dogs that don't shed or are quiet or whatever i love Going back a little bit to what you were saying earlier, about people living with noisy dogs. Um, shout out to uh, my my friend, Lana, my neighbour. Um, she's got Border Terrier. She listens. <laughs> we joke that her Border Terrier makes more noise than all four of my dogs. Absolutely.
1: Um, Known for it. But <laughs> Exactly that. She's got a Gobby
0: Terrier. You know, I joke that German dogs are loud because they kind of are. Um <laughs> 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 you know <laughs> standard poodles <laughs> like <laughs> none of the datsuns there we go yeah german dogs are not quiet but with dodge i put a lot of work into getting him to be quieter and shepherds will only gob if they feel the need to gob they're not just generally shouty dogs whereas the chihuahuas like a bark much more than he does. You know, we joke, the only time you know I've got dogs in the house is when someone comes to the front door because then all hell breaks loose. But I understand that that's part of living room. Do I care that my dogs bark at the door? No, because it's kind of why I have dogs. But when people are getting dogs and expecting things to happen instantly with minimal effort, this is where I think the conflict happens. And this is where they start looking for the snake oil without thinking about the emotional effects those methods are going to have on the dogs.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Expectations and uh, versus reality are a right, are a huge, mm. are a huge um, consideration. And and I, it, interestingly. I think some people that have thought about having a dog for years and years and have done loads of research, I think sometimes those people get it really hard because they've had a long time to consider what life's going to be like, but they've now built up a picture in their mind about, it's going to go like this, this, and this. <laughs> and, um, and I know how to do this, this, and this. And of course you're not, it's not a robot, you know, no. this is a living being, yeah. um, you know, and they don't always comply yeah you can't just download an app and do the update no. like you I need mean, to put time and effort into absolutely diggory is the only one out of my six dogs who is a perfect stooge dog mm. i am incredibly lucky incredibly lucky yeah there are people that wanted agility dogs or hoopers dogs or you know show dogs and they don't don't make the cut so yeah um yeah so I think there are definitely people that are impulsive and don't think through their breed for sure mm-hmm. um and but there's also people that do all the research but then they've got an idea of what that's going to look like and the reality hits them hard because it isn't always
0: it's all, it's almost like that um nailed it program is it they're imagining this beautiful wonderful unicorn cake and then <laughs> this sloppy weird thing with a phallic looking thing on top of it turns up and you're like well that oh yeah. <laughs> that's not the same thing and I do think that you know the more we can just get people just hanging with your dog and spending time with your dog dogs are always learning all the time they are the sponges of taking in the environment and they are so observant of what's going on in the world whereas people aren't because we've got very used to looking at screens and blocking off what's going on but we're living with these animals that in some cases are hyper vigilant because they don't feel maybe safe or they feel like it's their job with dodge you know we suspect he's come from guarding stock so he was
1: predispositioned to be hyper vigilant because god dog yeah absolutely I think I think it's really important. You know, um, there's there's dogs that I mean, particularly like cockapoos, for instance, we get a lot of cockapoos and they can have lovely temperaments, but they're nuts. Yep. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you've got the whole they don't like being touched because of their coat that's mixed with a poodle. So they get over groomed. And the groomer has a job to do. You know, they're yeah. going to tie the dog up and get the job done, but then the dog gets hand shy. But you've also got a dog that has got, it's highly intelligent, the poodle side, with, you know, the cocker spaniel that is um, bred for hundreds of years to just keep going. Even yeah. if your eyeball is hanging out, just keep going. Yeah. And so you end up with this dog that it doesn't matter how much the person says, no, 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 the dog just keeps going. You've ended up with a hyperactive genius. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's really, it's really, really difficult. But I, as I say, you know, the way that we train is quite different to the normal type of training. Mm. Everything that we do is about actually uh, don't worry about teaching your dog to lose lead walk right now you know don't worry about teaching your dog to leave right now you know yeah. everything is about we have to make sure that everything is in place the way it needs to be in place and, and work on that relationship yeah and everything else can wait but that's difficult because it involves a mindset change because yes. people are immediately I've taught my dog to sit down leave poor you know, and I'm just yeah, why like, does everyone I, teach poor, like seriously, and I'm like, actually, you know, just take a breath, yeah, just take a breath, yeah, and um, that's hard, that's hard for people, really hard for people, I but- mean, for, for me with Dodge, like he's,
0: there's basically kind of, what, there's two, what I refer to as the non-negotiables, so if I've asked you to do that, I need you to do it immediately, one is a recall, and the other one is him laying down, because generally, if there's a real if I can see a situation about to unfold and it's all about to go completely wrong, I can either stop that from happening by him either coming back to me or him just staying still next to me in a down position. Those are the two non-negotiables. The rest of the stuff, you know, I, I joke on the podcast all the time that his heel work is coming on very nicely. His loosely walking is short. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a priority for me i don't care like he'll be in a harness and especially if he's on a running belt i actually want him to pull a little bit so that for me is not not a deal breaker him being in an environment me calling him and him coming back to me i need that to be the most reliable behavior he has because that is safety yeah. And sorry if you just had a bang, he's now ragging on a toy because
1: apparently that's useful whilst recording a podcast. Of course it is. Obviously. I just think I just think that it's important that people consider what the right dog is for them. Yeah. What their individual desires are. And also what's right for their dog. But what's important to you might not be important to me. And yeah. and you know, as, as a company, that's kind of the ethos for us. You yeah. know. About, each dog is individual. Each family is individual. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't expect people to come to class and yes, we have set things that we teach, but they might be taught in all different ways, or it might be something slightly different. Yeah. Um, But actually the most important thing that anyone can do is make sure that their dog is at homeostasis is a happy dog. That's able to think and learn and that they have the best relationship for me. Everything else just goes into the background. Because as long as those things are in place, as -hmm. long as your dog can think and learn and your dog actually likes spending time with you, you can teach them whatever you need and whatever is important to you and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If those things aren't in place, if your dog is a picky eater, if your dog has got loose stools all the time, if your dog isn't sleeping enough, if your dog is alert barking all of the time, if your dog is digging or suffering with separation related stress, for instance, You have no business teaching them anything, as far as I'm concerned, and that's a bit blunt. But no, but you know, I, I, you're allowed to be blunt on my podcast. It's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, those that stuff has got to be done first. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, you have a great relationship. So people that contact us and their dog might be, say, pulling on lead and not got a recall. But then you know, through exploring what else is going on for that dog, we find out actually that dog's got a hyper attachment and they need some um, separation-related stress help, Mm -hmm. you know, I refer them to someone else, and I say, go off, do that, because actually your dog can't think and learn at the moment. They can't even reason, because they're in a state of acute stress or potentially even distress. Yeah, you know, we're not going to now add more stress by trying to teach them something. Their brain can't function properly. Yeah, we can't get the good stuff in their brain because all the cortisol, everything else, is acting like a barrier. So go yeah. sort that first, then we can have a look at the other stuff.
0: Yeah, and then we can start doing not just even kind of the, I guess the sexy stuff. You know, you can start doing the tricks. You can start doing the cool bits as well as just the kind of domestic stuff of walking on a lead, recalling stuff, you know, I think it is really important for people to understand that if the dog is not able to learn, then they're not going to learn nothing. No,
1: exactly. So <laughs> I know we were talking beforehand and I was saying to you that we, um, we released the free course um, back in June called happy dog quest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be coming up again um, in, in October. And it's a, it's a free course live course of five days hang on what date in October because this is coming this is October now so So it starts
0: 19th of October (gasps) people have a week to get signed up for this so perfect so regular listeners like listen to this because if you have a dog and to be honest if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a dog I'm not judging but it's a bit weird Um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: unless they work with dogs of course
0: (laughs) yeah well yeah you know yeah if you don't live with a dog or work with a dog then I appreciate you but why on earth are you here (laughs) for you Carrie
1: for you of course because
0: I'm that don't (laughs) stop it um so happy dog quest first of all this sounds epic (laughs) what is it it just sounds cool like who doesn't want to
1: go on a quest it's so cool isn't it so um I think it was kind of came about in recognition for it, pretty much all i've been saying during this podcast which is there's lots of people that want to teach the sexy stuff or want their dog to be under control but mm-hmm. i'm kind of going uh, hang on a minute hang on a minute <laughs> uh <laughs> we need to do some other stuff first yep. And so happy dog quest is is about really us sharing the secrets to a happy and trainable dog a, a happy dog is easier to train and people forget that bit. A frightened dog doesn't train is easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and what we basically look at, so last time we looked at various different things. We looked at triggers, we looked at um, what your dog really loves in life, all those things. This mm-hmm. time we're, we're looking more about, is your dog a homeostasis? What things does a dog actually need in their life? Um, and then if these things are all in place, you have a much better chance that you can train them whatever you want to train them. So
0: for people that might not be familiar with the term, put, put, it, put it to me, so what, what is we, homeostasis?
1: So, well, how we look at it, which would be slightly different to, say, a veterinarian, but mm-hmm. what we're looking at is, is your dog's um, functioning correct? So we mm-hmm. will look at things like, you know, the diet and the poop. Um, are they getting enough enrichment? Are they getting mm-hmm. enough chewing, licking, all of those things? Yeah. If your dog is being deprived of any way, then they're not really going to be able to um, access learning because yeah. they will. their brain will shut down certain parts of the functioning because, you know, so for instance, if you're thinking about a dog that might be frightened, they're not going to be worried about taking on food because yeah. they're going to be thinking I might need to flee or fight yeah. right now it's not important for me to do something yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what we have to look at we have to look at is the dog in balance that's what's really important mm-hmm. is the dog balanced and when the dog is balanced when all of their needs are being met from an um, emotional mental and physical point of view
0: yeah.
1: then you're ready then your dog is likely to be happy and your dog is able to learn new things and you can train them so i think particularly through the pandemic one thing that happened was that we were getting inundated so our number one face-to-face service is training walks that's where we train the dog for people we take them up take them out for a session and bring them back and through doing hundreds literally hundreds and hundreds of dogs that we trained We were ending up with dogs coming to us that had been to four, five, six different trainers and behaviorists, and they'd got nowhere. Nothing had changed. But the reason that these dogs weren't learning was because they wasn't in a state to be able to learn. So for instance, it could be one one little dog that we've worked with, um, absolutely beautiful. You would adore him. He's called Casper. Um, He's a Chihuahua cross um, with a Pom. So he's really, oh. really cute. But oh. he, yeah, I know. Super cute. But he was barking at all sorts of dogs and lunging at them and, you know, being a pickle. But actually, he couldn't think and learn. Mm. One session we had him and uh, Ryan was brilliant straight away. He said he needs to go to the vets. He's not walking right. His gait's not right. Yep. Luxating patella.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: too. And so, so that's, that's a, an example of that dog can't think and reason we can't change that dog's emotional response around other dogs because the dog's in pain yeah, yeah if your yeah. dog is in pain that's the priority so he's gone off he's had his operations he's now back with us he's great friends with diggory yep so, you know he's now got a circle of friends and that's fine oh. and that's what happy dog quest is about it's about looking at are all of your dogs needs being met yeah because if they're not, if they're in pain, if they're on the wrong diet, if their life isn't enriching, if they aren't in a space to learn, nothing's going to improve. Yeah. And I think this is an area that is not um, spoken about probably enough within the industry. Yeah, no, massively. You know, dog trainers very much are like, well, just train it to do this, train it to do this, train it to do this. Mm. And I'm in the background kind of with my, uh, excuse me. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello. You know, if your dog is petrified of life, yeah, there's no point in taking it near a dog. We need to break that down. What's going on for that?
0: Yeah, dog? yeah, yeah. We need but to
1: do that first.
0: With you saying about like little Casper, and I mean, to an extent, with Dodge, you know, because it's only been the last few weeks that we found out that he does have hip dysplasia, we're waiting to see the specialist. Then I go back and go, So, was some of the behavior because he was hurting? absolutely i mean a lot of it is down to nature some of it will be nurture some of it will be the fact that you know adolescence and hormones but when you then factor pain in as well like to be honest it's no surprise that adolescence was the biggest freaking roller coaster i've ever ridden with him because i was just like there were days where i was thinking seriously what did i bring into the house but I knew that wh- where would he go if it wasn't with me or another trainer? And, yeah. you know, I, the only reason we found out that he had the hip dyspatia was because a few weeks ago he had a bit of a slip training and it was just a little bit of intermittent lameness. There was nothing that you go, oh, yeah, it's definitely that. He saw the physio and the physio went, oh, something just crunched. Can you get an X-ray done? Yeah. Potentially, he may we may be able to manage it with pain meds, you know, and physio and hydro and all the rest of it. But the extreme of it is, he may need a brand new titanium hip. We may be turning him into Robo Dodge, and it does kind of make me go, "Oh, did you know?" I felt guilt a mass, and I will happily go on the record to say I felt I I stood outside the vet's and I was crying my eyes out. And Dale went. Are you sad because he's broken, or are you sad because he might not be able to do hoopers? And I was like, No, I'm sad because I feel like I've been letting him down because I didn't know sooner.
1: Oh, bless you. And but the, but the truth is, dogs hide it really, really well. And and this is, you know, this is exactly what we're all about. So if a dog is displaying what we call um, abnormal behavior so excessive barking or being reactive those sorts of things we don't concentrate on that we go okay we need to do an assessment because mm-hmm. we need to have a look is there any pain and sometimes I can be absolutely sure my gut is like whoa, whoa, whoa. there is something wrong with this dog the yeah. problem is unless you can physically see something like it's yes. maybe like a change in the gate when you go to the vet's it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah. And there's clients that we've worked with that maybe three or four years later, the health condition then comes out. I knew yeah. it, but I couldn't tell you what it was because that's yeah, not yeah, my yeah. job. And if yeah. you can't say to the vet, can you look for X, Y, or Z? Yep. It's very difficult. They can do a blood panel or they can physically check, but dogs hide it so well. Exactly. So that.
0: Well. I mean, so with Dodge, it was more like, I mean, even like physio, one of the competitions that there's a highly qualified dog physio there that, you know, she's brilliant. And she watched his run and she went, he's not lame, but he's not right. And that was the thing. He wasn't lame. It was just, he wasn't quite right. When we put him on the stance analysis, his left hip is his worst side. So dogs, when they stand, they should have 60% of their weight on the front end because chest and muscles and organs tend to be nearer the front and then the back end should be 40 percent so ideal world is 30 30 20 20 he's 31 34 22 13 huh what but you look at him standing on the floor you wouldn't know that he's hardly putting any weight on that left hand side because he's distributing the weight so equally on the other three corners, and he's hiding it really, really well, and possibly some of the breeding in him as well, you know, shepherds are designed that if they get a bit hurt in work, they keep going through it, they're fairly stoic, you know, I mean, the chihuahuas, all all they have to do is catch a nail, and it's, like, worse than when I've broken one, so... (laughs) (laughs) but again this is stuff we need to consider and I do think that pain is one of those things that is really really overlooked in dogs and oh it's huge huge and also people just kind of almost go oh well they're a bit sore like you know dogs that are getting arthritic changes put them on a painkiller please like change your flooring put rugs down don't let your dog walk around on laminate floor when they're getting our fritic changes. The thing,
1: these We're, are things that people don't think about. These are, you know, these are just things that people don't really think about. And, um, you know, with all of the new information coming through about gut health as well, yeah. There's just so there's just so much. It's all interlinked. You know, if your dog's not getting enough sleep, they're not going to have as good gut health. Yeah. The potential you have got pain. Um, yeah. there's just it's just so intricate, and I just think that the more that we can. Um, educate the general public, really.
0: But even other trainers as well, Kim,
1: because as we say, you know, we're kind
0: of as dog trainers in our journey, it's only if you decide to kind of geek out and look into this stuff that you will know about it because we can't know everything about everything because that's impossible. Yeah. But so you do specialize. And if there's something that you're not comfortable with, I think one thing. That i wish more trainers would do is refer on to someone that does specialize in that you know the only thing i teach now is hoopers if anyone rings me about anything else i refer them on because i just don't teach it anymore but i do think a lot of trainers worry that passing on work shows that they're not a good trainer but to me actually if a trainer turns around and says this is not my specialty but go to this person I've got a lot of respect for them for having confidence in what they know, what they're capable of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I just think, you know, this, this type of information is really important for people to know because there's such a lot of trainers that just look at the problem and try Mm -hmm. to fix the problem. Oh, I've
0: been guilty of it myself. You know, I'll hold my hands up and say, I've done it. I've been into the house and it's been like, Oh my God, the dog's doing this. And I've been like, okay, we'll do, you know, get a vet check, blah, blah, blah. But quite often, unless the owner goes to the vet and says, we think it's this specifically, as you say, you might do urine, you might do bloods. But if it's joint related, that might not show up on any of those tests.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think it's just, it's just really important to have a look at, well, what's the general health yeah. Um, you know as a whole it's that holistic care yeah um so when when a, a when a dog presents with having a behavioral problem we'll have a look at okay well what are the other things that go that are going on yeah. but as i say for us you, you know the biggest thing that we do it's all about prevention it's about yeah. you know one of the big things we teach is about body language you know uh-huh. are amazing at learning our cues and our yes. body language yeah but actually how much do we really spend time learning their body language and what they're trying to communicate with us yeah um and that's what happy dog quest is about it's about really you know really really learning um is your dog happy are they as happy as you think they are how do you know how can you tell how can you fulfill their needs just again going back to a point that i made earlier I, i i feel that everyone when they first get a dog it's about enriching their life and being able to provide the best life mm-hmm. and that's what happy dog quest is it's about having a look at that you know how can you have your most sparkly magical relationship with your dog because that's what I believe everybody gets a dog for
0: yeah oh my god you're making my heart happy I love it <laughs> it, does. it does make my heart happy because it it's just a different way of looking at things and obviously you know with hoopers the whole thing is about building teamwork and about building bonds, and the dog and hand are working together and isn't it amazing but we we then kind of you know i've gone down the whole rabbit hole of nutrition everything but i'm looking at it from a a sport dog point of view you know yeah. is he getting the right nutrition to build his muscles is he hydrated enough does he need electrolytes after this blah 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 blah, blah. but actually if as you say, if the diet and gut health isn't good to start with, then you can't expect the dog to learn and perform. We know with children, if they're not on a good diet, they struggle to learn in a classroom because the body doesn't have enough to build the little pathways in the brain because there's no brain food. It's called brain food for a reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yes, if if any of your listeners would like to come and take part in Happy Dog Quest, then I
0: want to come and play.
1: Yeah, of like, course you can, you can <laughs> and
0: play with this. and <laughs> can come and join in with the drama.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people want to look into that, they can find us on Facebook, Nosy Barker with an E. So N O S E Y, and then oh. Barker. And our website is nosy-barker.co.uk. You can just sign up um, from that. It's a five-day course. And, and obviously everyone is welcome. It's, it's lovely to um,
0: amazing. Have- and the other course I just will mention um, because I know you're you don't like plugging too much, but I'm plugging for you. Um, because this was like the original one, wasn't it? it was the Wonder Walks
1: course, mm.
0: which again, like this was what was being launched at Crufts in god it feels like do you realize that's the last time we saw each other in actual real life people like that's forever (laughs) it's two years now that's nearly three years it's far too long Long wonder walks is also available is it and that's another free online course you've got which is amazing
1: yeah so um it wasn't originally going to be free we obviously went off to crafts and um had this great new course um and then the world went mad and um and at that time I felt really helpless. Like, you know, I'm not a nurse and I I don't really think that I'm going to be able to give people vaccinations. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel that I had anything to offer the world in this terrible crisis Mm -hmm. and it uh, bothered me. And then I just thought, hmm, but I do have an online course that I could give away for free. Mm -hmm. And for those people that have, you know, now sharing their life with a dog, but are actually struggling with them, perhaps I could help those people stick to what you know Kim you know you're probably going to be dangerous with a needle in your hand (laughs) so so, and so we just gave it away for for free and and I I, I, I'm not sure now I think it might be nearly 10,000 people that have um, named that course for free and it's just a series of um, short modules and you know it's just about kind of changing your mindset a little bit thinking about things a little bit differently mm-hmm. um just so that actually your dog is more likely to follow your cues or your instructions yeah, yeah um yeah. you know but doing things in a slightly different way mm-hmm. um and so yes yeah, so, and it's and because it was free and so many people have accessed it it's just remain free and and that is that's on our website as well and and anybody is welcome to go and uh claim that cool well
0: kim thank you so so much for joining me um it's lovely to catch up hon it's it's, It's it's cool and it's it's nice to find out how Diggs is getting on and to catch up with our boys and all of that good stuff so people can find you facebook and your website um nosy with an e barker and until next time guys stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly Keep your dogs on lead around livestock. Don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor Courses, find us on Facebook. Like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehoopersworld.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.